You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy's joining us by phone because it was a late night for him. He was at the game. Aaron's here. I'm here. Quick thanks to Mama Lucia. Tommy, you missed it. They brought in food today. Uh, meatball subs. They are outstanding. Uh. We thank them for the lunch today. Uh, Mama Lucia taking good care of us on this show. I know that they wouldn't have brought nearly as much if they um, didn't, if they knew that you weren't going to be here. But I'll save yours for you so you can have it on Thursday if you'd like. Thank you very much. You're so kind. I don't care what they say about you. I'm always looking out for you. How was it out there last night at Ghost Town Field? <laughs> it was pretty much what you would expect. I mean, it's, it's the standard now. Yeah. I mean, it is the NF, it is, the, it is a neutral field on a good, on a good day. It's a neutral field. Uh, so, you know, there were, there were a lot of bears fans there. Uh, you know, Redskins fans did, did their best. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, early on the Redskins fans sort of felt empowered by, you know, the developments, but that power disappeared pretty quickly into uh, an alcoholic stupor. <laughs> and for those that stayed, yeah, um, it was. Um, it's funny because this morning on on the, on the show, I sort of said the same thing. It's like I, I I'm trying to, you know, I, I want to still be emotional about it. I'm trying to conjure up, you know, some real emotional anger, but. It, it's just a been there, done this situation over and over. It's rinse and repeat. Like we've been here before. This just keeps happening. You know the yes. It's you know the Monday night thing always gets the Monday night thing with the Redskins. They're two and seventeen at FedEx Field. They've been embarrassed and publicly humiliated now. I don't know at least a half dozen times on Monday night football. But really. I mean, Monday mornings after an embarrassing Sunday loss, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, it's not like you feel any better because the whole nation didn't see it. You know, it, there, there's so much to get to, and we're going to get to our game take, which we'll sort of share that process uh, together like we used to. Um, and we can do that on a Tuesday because it was a Monday night game. But the bottom line is the, what we say all the time. This is an organization that has rotted from the head down. You know, they may fire Jay Gruden or Greg Minuski, you know, at some point in the next couple of weeks and elevate Kevin O'Connell or Jim Tom Sewell or, God forbid, Rob Ryan. But the odds of this thing turning around after 20 years of rot is just, it seems like a long shot. You know, this is, for those of you new to this conversation, this is a true bottom-feeding sports franchise known for an unbelievable level of incompetence with, by the way, simultaneous arrogance to go along with it that few other bottom-feeding franchises can match. You know, and you know me, it's so sad for so many of us because we are old enough to remember how good it was, but it's been so bad for so long now that it's really hard to, you know, remember. It's not hard to remember, but it's hard for that to sort of, you know, overcome the recent, you know, in the recent meaning this owner for the last 20 years. It's just, it's sad. It's pathetic. 
and and uh, you know sometimes in these in these situations you feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel if something happens if this person get, if it's the owner it's not Jay it's not Minuski it's Bruce to a certain degree they've got to get him out of the organization that is a gots to go situation you can't attract anybody of any significance as long as he is there you know it really is. You, you hit the, the word that really best describes it. And it, it's the stage where I, I contend that it may be difficult to come back from, uh, certainly to where it ever was before. And the word you use is pathetic. And you put an A in front of that, and it's apathetic. It's apathy. And that's, that's the stage. That's not where you want of your your franchise to be you'd, you'd rather have your fans angry and passionate than just resigned to failure and that that's where they are i mean you know so i mean this is this 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 is, this is in a way when we when you talk about how we've seen this before and you know it's hard to say this is the worst that you've ever seen or at least i've ever seen but in a way it is because this fan base is more damaged than the fan base maybe three years ago when this happened or three years before that. Like the Monday Night Massacre with the Donovan McNabb and the Michael Vick night. That was a bad night. That was a horrible night. One of the worst nights in the franchise. But that fan base was stronger right. than the fan base you have now. And every, every, every notch just takes a little piece out of them till they said, till they say, you know, I, I don't even remember what it was like. I don't even remember what it was like to feel good about this team. So why should I care? And this is, this is, this is something I thought we'd never see in this town. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned apathy, and we've talked about that during all of these rock-bottom moments over the years that, you know, going back to even 2008, I'll never forget. You and I are doing the show together. They're playing the Chiefs in October at FedEx Field. I was at the game after doing the pregame show, and the place emptied at halftime, and it, was, it wasn't anger. Like, that was one of the first rock-bottom moments, but we've had so many of these rock-bottom moments. The difference in the past, as you said, is, first of all, the 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 audience potential which w was much greater all right the opportunity to do something to get those people from apathy to excited again there, it was a bigger group of people and th that 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 group is much smaller than it used to be and here's the biggest issue i think is that the moves that you could make to you know inject some life into the franchise you can't make those moves because you're so toxic, you're so tarnished as, a, as an organization that you can't attract anybody that can help you turn it around. Lincoln Riley's not coming to Washington to get to inject life into the Redskins. You know, they're not hiring a great general manager. I mean, I thought about Jim Harbaugh this morning. Like, if he gets fired in Ann Arbor and nobody wants him because he's borderline nuts, 
you know, could Dan pull that move? Would that inject some enthusiasm? It would, but you're talking about injecting enthusiasm into a smaller apathetic group now. It used to be a large apathetic group. It's now a much smaller apathetic group. And I, I do, I'm telling you, Tommy, the, you know, the owner isn't going anywhere, I don't think. Although I'm just going to tell you this real quickly. Just it, it's, it's a thought I had the other day, and I mentioned it this morning. And it sort of goes, um, you know, with your conversation about they're never going to get a stadium. I do wonder if he doesn't get D.C. or Maryland or Virginia to give him the opportunity to build a new stadium. What's that? What that's going to do to him as an owner? Because I can't imagine owning this franchise is any fun for him. And that that is the thing that he has. In the back of his mind, he's probably always rationalized this terrible ownership period for this great, once proud franchise with, that's okay, I'm going to build these people a stadium that they can be proud of, and that will be my legacy. And if he can't get that done, I just don't know what he would enjoy about owning this team, and if for some reason he got shut out by all three jurisdictions and they had to stay at FedEx Field, which has been your prediction, I wonder, I wonder what he would do. I, I, I'm, I'm not predicting that he would sell the team, but I don't think he can be a, you know, a happy owner right now. He is so despised. There's nothing polarizing about the way people think of Dan Snyder in this town. It is one way. He is despised. Like very few Washingtonians have ever been despised, you know, taking the politicians out of the equation. You're, you're absolutely right, uh, but uh, he's not despised in his immediate universe. And wherever he walks and the people that surround him when he walks there, uh, if they despise him, they don't tell him, obviously. On his I mean, yacht. Yes. With rich people yacht. who say, hey, that's the owner of the Washington Redskins, and it makes him happy? Yes. In, in, in that, in that price. But, you know, I was thinking last night, in that private box of his, watching the game, how awkward must that be for people around him? Oh. How oh awkward God. must must that be to sit in there right. and 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 to 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 have to watch that with, with him slinking further and further down in, in, in his seat? I mean, it's 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 yeah, look, look, you're, you're right in, in the sense that this is one of the reasons why I think the stadium issue it's going to be so difficult because who wants to stand up on a stage with Dan Snyder and say, we're going to help him build a stadium. Nobody, no politician wants to do that and get elected. But uh, at, at this point, I, all he had, I mean, who would, who would hang out with Dan Snyder? What, what would Dan Snyder's import? Oh, it's so reminiscent of what's ha- what happened in Baltimore with, with Peter Angelos in the sense that uh, when Peter, this is just a brief aside, when Peter Angelos first broke into, uh, like, it became a lawyer in Baltimore, he was very active in politics, uh, tried to get elected mayor and city council president a couple of times, but failed, kept getting beat, kept getting beat, kept getting beat. And then all of a sudden he saw his ticket to importance in the community as owning the baseball team. Now, Snyder's obviously not the same way. He wasn't a politician. But the Redskins are his ticket to 
being import, an important person. And if, if he if he was just a a rich businessman, you know, making backdoor deals that nobody knew about, he wouldn't be so important anymore. So I don't see him. I mean, no matter how bad things get, uh, you know, I, he may be saving the team for his son. You know, I, everything you said makes a lot of sense. Like, I can completely envision, you know, when he's out of this area, which he is a lot. He He's not in town a lot during, you know, the, the course of the year. He spends a lot of time overseas. He spends a lot of time in Europe. He spends a lot of time in his yacht. And, you know, it's the people that aren't from here that will say, wow, that's the owner of the Washington Redskins. And there's some, yeah. there's some you know, there's some importance that comes with that. That, that That's probably where he's like, hey, you know, I'm not just a billionaire. Um, I'm the owner of the Redskins. Look, I'm getting some attention for that. I mean, look, George Clooney just came over and, and introduced me to one of his friends as the owner of the Washington Redskins. Look, Cruz is walking down the dock here. Tom Cruise has been a friend. Tom Cruise is, in, you know, <laughs> introducing me to three or four of his friends. Hey, that's the owner of the Washington Redskins. And the truth of the matter is, unless you're from here or you're just a big sports fan or big football fan, you know that he's not been a successful owner, but you don't know if you're not from here how much he is despised and how people would literally go to their own wallets and make a contribution if it meant adding up to a number that he would accept to sell the team. No, no, you don't know that outside the, the sphere of yeah. uh, of Washington. I mean, if you follow football, if you're in the industry uh, of, of football, I, I, I think you do. Yeah. But, yeah, to the casual follower around the world, I mean, I, I, I think you think it'd be pretty cool to meet the owner of the Washington Redskins. You know, Tommy, th- this, this situation here in Washington um, – in the league, you know, people that cover the league, people that aren't, don't cover the Redskins but cover the league, you know, a guy like Booger McFarlane who called the game last night who referred to, to FedEx Field as an iconic venue. Wow. I know they realize that it is a poorly run and operated franchise. I think even some of them have no concept of how despised this person is. They, I don't, and I think it's a big story that they are missing out on. This is Steinbrenner when he was hated. This is, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Peter Angelos in Baltimore. This is, you know, the Ursay in, in Indianapolis to a, a lesser degree. You believe, you know, there are. It's Dolan in in uh, in New York right now as the Knicks owner. This is. Right now, you know, whatever's left of the fan base would literally do anything. To have him sell the team. I, you could count the number of people that want him as the owner on one hand in this town. I, I've not met anybody that doesn't think that he is the, the root cause of all of these issues. And the root cause for people that really, like, you know, my age, that grew up with this team and, you know, went to RFK Stadium every Sunday and and were on pins and needles every Sunday, you know, watching these games, these big games, these massive games in the sport. It, you know, there was a time where you were angry, to your point, and now it's like, you know what, I've moved on. Like, it sucks that we don't have this to get excited about, to watch games with friends, to to do the, the stadium thing. But, you know, life moves on. Life's too short to actually worry about spending it with this guy. By the way, one other quick point I wanted, I wanted to make about this. I know people right now that even 
that they, they don't want them to win as long as he owns the team. Like it makes them ill to think about that if he ever actually won something that he would get credit for it. That's how despised he is by this longtime fan base. And you know what I still don't get to some extent? The, the Joe Gibbs connection. Joe Gibbs was at the game last night, and he usually shows up once a year. And, I mean, I, I, he, he, from what I hear, he remains loyal to his relationship with Dan Snyder. Now a lot of people think that's a business relationship rooted in when he owned, when he was bought back as coach and uh, how it, you know, maybe helped him with his NASCAR team. But uh, I, I still don't get that. You know, supposedly in the off season, Gibbs was the one who was pushing Todd Bowles on them. I mean, he's, you know, he's a big Bowles fan. And I think that could, that guy could wind up being your next head coach at, at some point. I would be you know, happy I, about that, but go ahead. But, but so I don't, I mean, Gibbs, Gibbs, Gibbs is a, is a smart guy and he understands people. And he has to see, I mean, how Snyder is despised. He has to, he has to see that. I don't get that. I just don't. That's the one thing I don't get. I mean, you know, his, his circle includes Joe Gibbs. And maybe just Joe Gibbs is just that loyal. Maybe it's that. Who Look, knows? I, I, I've said this before, and I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you, you can follow up on it. I, I don't know Dan Snyder. I don't know that he's not a wonderful human being, that if we had time to spend with him, if we, and we spent our free time with him, we would think completely differently about him. I can't speak to, to what he is personally. I do know that he's very generous, that he and his wife are incredibly charitable in this city. And by the way, that's a great thing. And that's something that you should be, you should get credit for. I just know professionally, that the thing that he owns that I care about, the football team, it's been a train wreck from day one. It's been incompetence at the highest level, and it's been done in an off-putting way that made it even worse while they were losing. It wasn't it, it, There was nothing lovable about this loser over the last 20 years. Nothing. No. No. no nothing at all. And uh, you know, like I said, I mean, basically – you know, the, the trifecta for change is scandal, suspension, and sale. Something short of that that Snyder gets involved in. Uh, you know, I mean, look, we, we, I've talked about this before. In the, in the early 80s, the NFL did an intervention with the New York Giants. The New York Giants, from the mid-60s throughout the whole 70s, were a horrible franchise, terrible losing franchise and back then that meant a lot more to right. the nfl having you know one of its premier franchises right where they're located being so bad so pete Rizel convinced wellington mara to take on george young the former uh baltimore colts gm who was working for Rizel in the commissioner's office and that changed the giants changed the giants for decades to come uh now about what you got to do is have, have an owner that who, who, when he accepts that, he accepts that help, lives with that help, you know? I mean, and that's what the Maris did when George Young turned around that franchise. The Maris were just elated and basically, you know, kept operating under George Young. And they've had now four general managers in the past 40 years. 
uh, that's the key. And I don't know if Dan Snyder's – I don't know if the NFL would be willing to do that in these, this day and age, and I don't know if Dan Snyder's willing to accept that kind of help. Uh, you know, uh, I, I thought that Brian LaFamina, when he came here in a way, was like that, but apparently Snyder had been pursuing LaFamina for some time, so that that was not necessarily – an NFL intervention. So, I mean, short of that, there, there's, there's no hope. Well, we do know from, you know, the recent story that Adam Kilgore wrote in the post about Snyder, that the league is concerned about the state of the Redskins in Washington, DC, that it's, it is an important franchise, not just because of the history of the franchise and the three Lombardi trophies and, you know, what was an incredibly passionate fan base, but because it's here in the nation's capital and it's, you know, and there are influential people in this city and, um, you know, I, I do think at some point an intervention may be necessary. Maybe they don't do that anymore. Maybe, you know, it would require something that you described, some sort of scandal. Um, and that hasn't happened. It's just incompetence. And, you know, right. I, I guess, you know, uh, once you once you get one of these, you can't be out of the club based on, you know, operating the 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 franchise, you know, in a foolish way. You, it it takes much more than that. It takes what happened to the Carolina Panthers owner. You know, it takes what what's happened, you know, in the past with um, what's his face, the Clippers owner, who who I'm blanking right, on right Donald now. Donald Sterling. Yeah, Donald Sterling. It, it it takes things like that um, to to actually oust an owner yeah. um, of one of these sports teams. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to the game take. Pay attention, here's Kevin's Game Take. All right, Tommy's as well uh, today. Before we, we get to the game last night, a couple more things, just sort of um, macro uh, versus micro. Um, you know, it's now become fact that the Redskins do not have a home field advantage. Uh, they are one of the few professional NFL teams that don't really play games um, they play games at home, but they don't play games at home with an advantage to being home. They have eight road games, and they have eight others that at best at best, can be described as neutral field environments. This is not new. We've seen this. Um, but that is now, you know, not debatable. Like, there's just, there aren't, there aren't enough people rooting for the Redskins that are showing up to create a true home field advantage. And again, I mentioned this to you when the schedule came out, Tommy. The league really did Snyder a favor by scheduling the Cowboys, Bears, and Patriots as the, as the first three home games because if it had been the Niners, the Jets, and the Lions, there would have been nobody there. I mean, you just would you would have had a half-filled stadium similar to what you had many times last year. Also, um, I don't know if anybody's getting fired this week. My sense of it as we sit here on Tuesday morning is they won't. Uh, but I do think that if they lose to the Giants to fall to 0-4, somebody's going to get fired. Minuski would be the leading candidate. Gruden would certainly be in play at 0-4 or 0-5. Um, I, it, again, it, not to beat a dead horse, but it, it's not going to change anything. But you know, at some point when you're 35, 47, and one, or where you've got, and you know, at this point, historically bad, a historically bad defense through three games, you know, it's and, and you tried to re- replace the guy in the offseason to begin with. It's probably a situation where somebody loses their job a week from today or a week from yesterday if they lose to the Giants. Do you agree with that or not? Absolutely. I don't know how Minuski still has his job. 
after after that performance last night. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny. I went down. I was heading for the locker room uh, at the two-minute warning, the same time Snyder was leaving his private box last night. And uh, whenever Snyder uh, walks along the uh, the walkway, yeah, everybody is forced to stop I know and that. stand where they are. Right. And so and so he so he was making his way down to the locker room. I don't know how Minuski survived that walk. I don't know how. I mean, if it, if I was Snyder, I would have I would have said this guy's gone. I would have said to Gruden, I said he's gone. That's it. I mean, because this. This was the get right game. <laughs> this was the, this was the game that that your defense. I mean, your defense. You know, Josh Norman, one of the greatest defenses he ever played with. Rob Ryan, a top five defense. I mean, it was. This was Mitch Trubisky cutting them up down the field, throwing three touchdowns. Now, granted, uh, the, the defense of the Bears had a lot to do with empowering. The, uh, the 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 Bears offense, but early in the game, the Redskins are winning the field position battle. You know they're 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 seemingly in control of this situation, and if it's gonna be this fight between two a really good defense and a good defense, you're thinking the Redskins are going to come out on top because you're thinking that well they're you know they'll they'll st- there'll be a lot of punts, it'll be a close game. And it could come down to a turnover, and actually it came down to many turnovers uh, for the Redskins' offense. Right. But the Bears showed the Redskins what a defense was, didn't they? <clears throat> yeah, they did. Um, we're, I'm going to get to the, the Khalil Mack situation here shortly. But bottom line on anybody getting fired, my gut right now is that nobody gets the axe this week. Um, again, it's not going to change anything, but Minuski should not be a defensive coordinator. He is too easy to figure out. The Bears, if you watched that game last night, they came up in hurry up. They hard counted to see what the, to watch the Redskins show what they were doing. And very rarely do I think that the Bears thought Minuski would change. You know, after the Bears, you know, identified, hey, they're in man coverage. They've got it, you know, seven in the box. We're going to run this play. Uh, I just uh, he's been outwitted um, for over a year now, and they wanted to replace him. They just couldn't find anybody to take the job. The other thing I wanted to mention real quickly is, you know, in January I I wanted a total reboot. I wanted Bruce gone. I wanted Jay gone. I wanted everybody gone. I wanted wanted them to start trading players that they could get value back for Trent Williams, Ryan Kerrigan. They didn't do it because, of course, Bruce says they're close. Um, which is just delusional, as we've been talking about throughout the offseason leading up to this season. But it doesn't mean they can't start the reboot right now. I would trade Trent immediately. I would try to, to, to see if anybody's interested for Kerrigan in Kerrigan for a significant price. And then I would get Dwayne Haskins in there ASAP this Sunday. I don't know what they're waiting for. Case Keenum is Case Keenum. There's a reason he was available for basically a quarter. All right. He played a nice game in Philadelphia. He was okay last week. He seems to have a pretty good fit for what Jay wants to do. He's just not very good. You know, you're not going anywhere with Case Keenum. It's time to get Haskins in there. And if he's not in there, Tommy, you know, let's call it after the Patriot game for the Miami game at 0 5, which I think they'll be at that point. 
then that is a massive red flag about Haskins. It means that maybe the Redskins done messed up, not the league, you know, at that point. Because quarterbacks, and I mentioned this, I think it was with you, it may not have been with you, but over the last 10 years, quarterbacks picked in the top half of the first round, 20 of the 24, have gotten their first start by the fifth week of their rookie season. The only four that haven't, Mahomes, Ponder, Locker, and so far, Haskins. All right, we've seen Gardner Minshew, a sixth rounder, play well. Obviously, Daniel Jones' debut. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet. He's got a little ways to go. You have young players, <laughs> Kyle Allen playing. Um, this is this is a time to, to reboot it. You don't have to wait. And if I were Dan, I would cut ties with Bruce Allen right now today. You can't get anything done in terms of significant change as long as that man is in the building. No one wants, nobody trusts him. Nobody wants to work with him. You can't attract anybody of high quality if Bruce is still in this organization. Bruce picked the coaches that you have right now, Dan, that are very, very sketchy and questionable. Average at best in some areas, much below average in others. The unilateral personnel moves he's made over the years, whether it was Josh Norman or the trade for Alex Smith, most have failed. You know, the winning off the field thing has has basically resulted in the worst attendance drop for any team in any sport over the last 10 years. And then there's the pettiness of him as a business person. This stupid little, you know, trying to beat Trent Williams in this standoff is disgusting to watch. You know, this man is stuck in decades past. He's insecure. He doesn't think creatively. He is, he's got to go. If Dan doesn't realize it now, he may never realize it. I personally, I know I said this last year, that Bruce Allen was done, and I was wrong. I am putting my foot down again saying, I guarantee you he's not back here next year. If he is, I'll pay you, Tommy, I'll pay you 100 bucks if Bruce Allen is the team president in January. I don't see any chance that he is back. I think maybe he retires. Um, if he doesn't get fired, I just don't see him coming back. He is the reason right now they won't be able to get anything done. And Dan's already a big part of that reason. But at least with Bruce, he can say, hey, without Bruce, hey, this is the way I'm going to operate with you if you if you join us in this venture. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you total autonomy. I'll give it to you contractually. You're the guy. You don't have to deal with this guy you know, who's stuck in 1977. All right, you'll, you'll have a chance to do this on your own. They cannot attract anybody as long as Bruce Allen's in the organization. I agree. I agree with that. A hundred percent. And I agree with you on Haskins, uh, but I don't think he plays until the Miami game. I mean, you you wouldn't have put him in last night, would you? I, I was thinking about it, sure. At halftime, I was thinking about it. Why not? Probably oh, not. Probably. You, you probably want him to be prepared during the course of the week. That's fine. I would have maybe given him a taste last night. What is everybody so afraid of? I mean, if this guy's psyche is so, you know, is, is is so teetering on the brink of, you know, if anything bad happens to him, he's going to lose all confidence and you're going to ruin him like you ruined Patrick Ramsey or, you know, some people think you ruined Robert Griffin. The problem was his rookie season was his best. But I, I just don't, I don't get that. You, you see rookie quarterbacks come off and get their first action, you know, in, a, in, in mop-up duty all the time. Would I have done it? Probably not. But I would definitely be getting him ready to start Sunday against the, against the Giants. No doubt in my mind he would be the starting 
quarterback Sunday in, in New York. And I wouldn't worry about the Patriot game either. I'd start him against the best. Let him, let oh, him get not, some not. experience against the best. For one thing, they're worried and legitimately, you know, I know this is hard to believe, but they, they're probably worried and legitimately so about alienating the few fans that are out there against the quarterback that they think is the hope of the future. I mean, they, this fan base, they don't, want, they don't want people turning those number seven jerseys inside out in the middle of a game. Uh, you know, I, and I don't mean people, people will jerseys. give a guy like that more time. I think the frustration will come if he doesn't see the field for a while. I, I think I, there'll be frustration both. I think you're giving people too much credit to think that they'll, they'll give him time. They'll just see it as all as one big Redskins angry blur. So, I mean, to start him on the road against Miami is the perfect setup. But you're right. If they don't start him by then, then you've got a big Dwayne Haskins problem. It, now, let's take in between then. What happens if Colt McCoy starts practicing this week? Tommy, if, if Jay puts Colt McCoy into the starting lineup before Haskins, this is a major middle finger to the owner by Jay. This is you stepped in on draft night and you picked the guy you wanted and none, and none of us necessarily wanted him that early. In fact, the guy that we're playing this Sunday, Daniel Jones, was the guy that we would have preferred you had traded up for. Um, but I don't, you know, that's all the reporting. It, if Colt McCoy steps on the field before Dwayne Haskins does, it's, it, again, I would, I would, you know, some people will say, well, that's just Jay middle fingering the, the owner, which is what I just described. Yes, but one of the reasons Jay might do that is because Jay knows who's ready and who isn't. I, look, if he's not ready, it's one thing in week one, week two, week three. If he's not ready for the Miami Dolphins in week six with an 0-5 team, you you got a lot of conversation about whether or not they really screwed up. You got to you cannot learn anything unless you put him on the field. I agree with that. You got to know if he can play. So if he can't, you can Josh Rosen him and move on to the next quarterback That's in right. the next draft. I uh, agree with that. Let's, but but you, you don't have to do it until the Miami game. Fine. Um, let's get to the, to the things uh, that we liked. Um, I'll go through my list real quickly. If you want to add to it, um, you may. Uh, Terry McLaurin's really good. It's he is, you know, he, he's a productive receiver who can run, he can catch, he can get separation. He is, you know, one of the true promising young players on this roster. He, you know, they they bubble wrapped him in the preseason. We didn't know what to expect. He's been in incredibly impressive in the first three games at wide receiver, a position that there was so much, you know, so many questions about heading into the year. I thought Matt Ioannidis played really well last night. First good game for Ioannidis. Chris Thompson's been good in all three games. I would have never, ever pulled him from the game last night to put in Adrian Peterson at the end of the game or in, with eight minutes to go in the game when they had a legitimate shot a legitimate shot. This was not, you know, prevent defense garbage yards and points that they were, you know, that they were putting up in the second half. And their Chicago may have been relaxed. They may have checked out after halftime. That's all a possibility. They weren't playing, you know, prevent defense the entire second half. The Redskins were carving them up in the second half with a quick passing attack that they should have had in the first half. 
Um, and Chris Thompson was a big part of that. I like him. I think he's been really good and looked really sharp this year. I thought he had a good game. I would have never put Adrian Peterson in there for that third and one. Um, and uh, I thought Holcomb and Bostic, um, their inside linebackers, actually, they run well. Sweat got a, a sack last night. I thought he was better. It was his best game. Um, but that was pretty much the my list of things that I thought you know, were acceptable last night. Do you want to add to it? Well, I, no, I, nothing I can add to it. Chris Thompson, uh, I've always been a huge fan of, and, and he, cha- he changes the offense. You know what's amazing is I, I, I heard people this week talking about Jordan Reed and how, the, you know, what, what a handicap it is for Jay Gruden's uh, offense uh, not to have, you know, their plans for this year not to have Jordan Reed out there. How could you possibly have have centered an offense around a guy who barely is on the field half the time? I mean, how could they have projected that they, they could count on Jordan Reed to be out there and that the offense would be built on him? I mean, they had to, they, I mean if, if you've got any brains at all, You've got to treat Jordan Reed, and now, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll ever play again, uh, as found money if you're building the offense. The other guy is Chris Thompson. Those are the two guys that, 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 that save your quarterback, that, 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 that uh, make up defenses difficult for you to contend with offensively. So, yeah, I mean, I, the one big one that sticks out for me is, is Chris Thompson. And Terry McCall, McClellan, uh, you know, I mean, not, not that this is a genius. Everybody said this, but when I saw him in minicamp, I said, "Wow, this this kid can catch everything you throw to him." Uh, so he he's a real deal. And uh, other than that, there 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 was there wasn't that much like Ionitis. Ionitis is really strong. I mean, he's really super strong, uh, and uh, he's one of my favorite players. But uh, you know, I, I can't add to anything about that except to emphasize Chris Thompson. All right, let's uh, we'll get to the things that uh, we didn't like from the game right after I tell you about mybookie.ag. So many of you over the years have said, Kevin, where can I play? I don't have access to a book. Where can I play some of your smell test picks? Which, by the way, over the last two weeks, Tommy, 18-5 and 1. 18, Is five, that good? and one. I think that's pretty good. Um, oh, okay. The uh, and so many people have asked me over the years, you included. Where can I play? Well, how about mybookie.ag? They're the best in the business. And by the way, where you play is just as important as who you play on. You need to rely that they are going to take your deposit, and that when you win, you're going to get fast payouts, and that you're also going to get solid lines and solid vigs fees on the losses. This is what mybookie.ag offers. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if I didn't know them to be one of the best. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with mybookie. Join now and mybookie will double your first deposit if you enter my promo code. My promo code is KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C. That will activate the offer on mybookie.ag. Again, the offer being they will double your first deposit. Use my promo code Kevin DC after you go to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Um, all right, uh, the things that I didn't like from last night. Let me rip through these. First of all, 
it was truly laughable um, just how unprepared, uh, undisciplined this team seemed to be last night. Again, not new. You know, this is on repeat now. This is hardly, you know, something new for all of us that have been watching this. But my God, when you are playing the Chicago Bears and you don't recognize number 52, Khalil Mack, to be not only their best player, but one of the top three players in all of football, a one-man wrecking machine, mayhem is is everywhere when he's on the field. He is a true disruptor. One of the you know half dozen to maybe ten players in the game that can truly disrupt a game. And you've got Vernon Davis blocking him. Whose idea was that? Whose idea I know, it's was, unbelievable. Whose idea was it to leave him unblocked or to have Sprinkle or Vernon Davis on him or Morgan Moses by himself? This is just strategically stupid at the highest level, and it speaks to, you know, uh, something that, you know, it, poor preparation, poor discipline, but maybe, just maybe, Gruden's trying to get the hell out of here. That was as mysterious as anything that happened last night. It's embarrassing that they didn't recognize Khalil Mack to be a player that they needed to not block with one person, preferably an offensive lineman, but helping that offensive lineman on this guy. He Two forced fumbles, two sacks in a half. That was part of the reason that Case Keenum had five turnovers in the game. The first one to HaHa Clinton Dix. By the way, I thought it was interesting we learned last night on the broadcast. I did not know this. Um... I, maybe maybe I knew the Redskins were interested in bringing HaHa Clinton Dix back. Lisa Salters reported during the game that the Redskins actually offered more than Chicago offered HaHa, but HaHa wanted to play for a better organization, a better defense, a team that had a chance to win. I don't think I knew that before well, that, last night. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me because Bruce made the trade, and Bruce I mean yeah, gave up you a know, fourth rounder. Right, so to validate Bruce's trade, he's he's going to he's going to want to keep his guy. Right, I mean that's what he's all about. He's he's all about proving that he's right. I mean we're 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 watching that. It's all about proving he's right and he's he's going to win, and he was going to prove everyone right about Clinton Dix. Yeah, he uh, he he he, won, he certainly. And by the way, Clinton Dix can play a little bit. Didn't play well here at all, but you could potentially chalk that up to being used improperly by this defensive coaching staff. Um, anyway, um, Case Keenum's turnovers were killer. Like, the first two games were obviously defense, defense, defense. And the defense sucked last night also. However, the offense consistently put him in difficult situations. Last night, you can't in the NFL turn the ball over five times, unless you're the 49ers on Sunday against the Steelers, and win a game. I mean, 99% of the time you're going to lose that game. He was under siege, Keenum was. But this is why, you know, I've not been a huge Keenum fan over the years. I like, you know, I like his competitive fire. I think Gruden likes that. I like the way he tries to make plays. But he's not accurate. He should have been picked three times in the first two weeks. Um, and he takes high risks in bad situations. Um, doesn't see things. We've seen that over the years in the, in the places he's been. 
Um, but anyway, he had five turnovers. That that was massive in the game last night. Probably should have had six, if not for a very questionable call on Amukamara um, for illegal use of the hands. The penalties in the first half speak to the lack of preparation, the lack of discipline. You had a, a Donald Penn holding penalty. You had Kerrigan jumping off sides, which led to a big play or a big opportunity for, for Chicago. They missed on it because Trubisky's just inaccurate as hell. Um, they had a 25-yard penalty. Uh, pass and run to McLaurin called back by an illegal shift on Sims Jr. Norman got called for P.I. in the end zone. The next play was a Bears touchdown pass. You know, the penalties, you know, in the first half, second quarter really, um, really hurt them. Um, The third down defense is historically awful. We mentioned last week that through the first two weeks of the season, that it was the third worst in NFL history since they started keeping the stat. Um, The Redskins allowing, uh, it was 64.3% going into last week. Well, after last night, the Redskins gave up 8 for 13 on third down. The funny thing about the 8 for 13 is the last third down was just a giveaway play for the Bears, it was third and seven, and they just ran the ball to keep the clock rolling. They It could have been nine for 13. But anyway, the Redskins now have given up 26 third down conversions on 41 attempts. That's 63.4%, the worst in NFL history through three weeks of a season. This for the defense that Josh Norman dubbed a month and a half ago, potentially all-time Great. It is all time. It's all time right now, the worst third down defense in NFL history through three games. And one of the problems is we continue to see these secondary miscommunications. The goal line stuff with Ryan Anderson one time, I forget who it was on the other Gabriel short touchdown pass pass, but it looked like the Indianapolis game from last year where they were totally confused and totally fooled over and over again. That could be players it's got to be coaching too. Has to be. Uh, it's it's just it's it's something that continues to happen. Um, Jay Gruden, Tommy, just didn't have this team prepared strategically. No plan for Khalil Mack, which is an that is absolute incompetence at the highest level. How they didn't have a concerted you know effort to double or triple team Khalil Mack is beyond me. He also didn't use that quick passing game in the first half like he did in the second half. That would have com- that would would have been one of the ways you would have combated the Khalil Mack problem. Where were the screens and the bubbles and a few hard counts in the first half? I I I, I just didn't see it. Um, Gruden, by the way, you know this is a, a weekly occurrence. Um, he 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 certainly could have had more time at the end. Look, they're down twenty eight nothing. I'm not going to forgive it, but I'm going to understand if the coach gets wrapped up into what he's going to say at halftime rather than managing the clock at the end of the first half. But they tried to get the ball back before Chicago's last touchdown to try to get some points before halftime. And on defense, he let 12 seconds run off the clock before he called his first time out. Those 12 seconds would have given him two more snaps at the end of the first half on offense to try to get a touchdown instead of being forced to kick a field goal. These are little things, details, that you know this coach has never been good at, and we know now that they miss on those things all the time, and they miss on the big things. Also, going for two early in the third quarter made no sense. 
And it put them into a position where they, before that fourth and one bungled quarterback sneak, it could have been 28-17. You could have kicked a field goal there to cut it to eight. You know, but that wasn't an option because he was going for two inexplicably at 28 to nine and then 28 to 15. Although that particular moment was the right time to go for two because he'd gone for two the first time and missed. Right. It was, um, it was the quarterback sneak. uh, You know, it just was mind boggling that anybody in professional football, every fan said it simultaneously. It's not the goal line, dummy. You're not at the goal line. You can't do that in the middle of the field. And I, I personally, Clinton didn't agree with me this morning. I think that's one of the things that the coach has to say, hey, Case, just remember you're not at the goal line. You can't jump over the pile, stick the ball out, and and, and have them you know rule the play dead and, and move the chains. They can knock it out of your hands. They can tackle you. They can force you backwards. There's a lot of uh, bad stuff that happens when you try a quarterback sneak that way um, anywhere but at the goal line. Um, you know, Tommy, one other quick point, and then I'll let you have at it. You know, this game, which, you know, they're getting torched throughout the first half and justifiably so. The bottom line is at 28-15 and they're on the move, they were carving Chicago up in the second half with that quick passing game, which is what they should have been doing in the first half, carving them up. Again, the Bears, I'm sure, came out thinking the game was over. Their whole demeanor was probably relaxed. Let's just get this thing over with and get the hell out of here. But they were very close, the Bears were, to being up one score with legitimate pressure on their offense and a bit of a sweat there at the end. They were. There were still eight minutes left when they missed on that fourth and one. I hated the calls on third and one and fourth and one. I don't. I think they should have kept throwing the football. They ran Thompson for eight on first down, ran him on second. He got stopped short. The quick passing game, Richardson was wide open. McLaurin's getting open. Davis is getting open. Thompson's available for the check down. Um, I liked what they were doing in the second half. Again, I'm not saying it was all them. Chicago probably had let down. But strategically, they weren't in prevent. I heard a lot of people talking about that today. Well, that was just garbage yards and garbage points. No, garbage yards and garbage points come late in the fourth quarter when a team is truly playing prevent. They've got three DBs standing 25 yards down the field and letting you throw everything underneath. It's not what Chicago was doing. I don't know that their mind was right up 28-0. They probably didn't feel like the Redskins had any life, and that may have contributed to it. But they actually were within a whisker there of making it very interesting with about seven and a half to eight minutes to go. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. Really? They weren't playing yeah, they weren't playing prevent, but they were letting them have everything in front of them. No. They they they, they, they were they were doing that. No, they were not. I mean, was, that's not I true. I think they were. No, they, they weren't. They, they were just could they couldn't cut co- they couldn't cover. They couldn't cover, and the I ball was getting out very quickly. And the they ball were... was getting out quickly, but they, but they, but they were, they were letting them get what they got in the front. They, they had made the decision that that uh, they were, they were not going to let them get beat behind them, and, and they were playing that way. And I think they were letting them have what they wanted. And the Redskins were very good at, at that quick 
No, right, that's that that's not accurate. Offense. That's just not accurate. I mean, I'm not okay. again. I'm not suggesting that they weren't relaxed and they may have been, you know, psychologically off a little bit and playing softer because of it. But their defensive strategy didn't change significantly. In fact, there were still multiple plays where they were trying to get immediate pressure on Keenum with even an extra rusher, um, and they were they they played a little bit more zone, which they're a zone team primarily. But the difference in the second half is the Redskins weren't dropping Keenum back seven steps and letting uh, Mac and, and Danny Trevathan and company tee off and get to him. And the ball was out quickly. It was true quick game stuff, and they were and it was hard to cover Richardson and McLaurin and Davis and when Thompson had the ball as well. Strategically, the, there wasn't a significant difference in defensive alignment in the second half. Psychologically, but I think there was soft. I think there was a difference. Well, there wasn't. I, have not I went back and looked at it. But but I, I, I think there was a difference. And uh, what what happens is Jay can't run his plays if he's running that quick strike offense. That is that's he what he that that was what they did a lot with Kirk. I don't know why they didn't do it last year with Alex Smith. Keenum's much better doing it. Jay, that is that's true West Coast. A lot of that stuff is true Jay Gruden West Coast. We didn't see a lot of it last year for some inexplicable reason with Smith. Maybe it's because Smith, you know, didn't what wasn't comfortable with that. You we've seen more of that here in the first 3 games. We should have seen it much more in the first half last night and we didn't. And that's one of the he was dropping Keenum back too much. You can't drop back against against the Bears, especially if you're not accounting for number 52 in in a in, a, in an appropriate way. Um but I, I look. I was at that point. I was basically like, "This game's over." But at twenty-eight fifteen, I've watched enough football to know that they convert that second and two or that third and one, and they go in there and score, which was a possibility in that moment, regardless of the way the Bears were playing it. Even if you're right, and they had gone to some sort of garbage prevent, give up a lot of yards defense, which they didn't. But even if they did then they were on the verge there of being up 28-22 with seven minutes to go. And at that you point, know what? I think there's that, only I, one way to I, describe it. It's a ball game. I think, I think the Bears invested in Case Keenum's turnovers. Yeah, except I think they figured. I think they figured sooner, you know, I think they figured at this, look, maybe they, not, they didn't actually figure this, but I think that went into the mentality and that sooner or later, this guy's going to turn the ball over again. The and more maybe he, he would have done it. Yeah, maybe he would have done the more it. He, and he wound up, he fumbled. Yeah. He wound up fumbling. Well, yeah, the quarterback so did, sneak. He, yeah, yeah, so he did, he did turn it. And I think they sort of figured, well, sooner or later, this guy's going to give it up again, one way or the other. I the hate it. The more possession, the, 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 more, the more likely he's going to give it back to us. When, when they took over um, in the fourth quarter on that drive that ended with the quarterback sneak for the fumble, and he had Peterson in there. I was pissed. Peterson was not an option for me in that spot. They had scored on two consecutive drives, eight plays, 66 yards, 12 plays, 97 yards, by, by using Chris Thompson primarily uh, in the game and, and using all of the quick game stuff. 
Um, and then they go to Peterson on that final drive early. And then finally they got Thompson back in there and Peterson out. But when he came with that short yardage third and one, I knew they weren't going to get it. I was like, no, 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 no. you got to keep throwing it. Plus, by the way, even if you make the third and one, it's going to be another 40 seconds that roll off the clock. I Look, I that's probably a flaw of mine. I never, ever give up on these games um, even though I'd given up on the game last night but when they got to that point and maybe he would have turned it over even if they had gotten the first down maybe the next throw was going to be one into double coverage in the end zone for a pick um, but if they had scored there if it was it was a game at 28-22 with seven and a half minutes to go and the Bears would have been sweating it a little bit because you know the Bears aren't that great offensively and Trubisky stinks no. he stinks of course he does he absolutely does. You know, uh, this has nothing to do with last night's game, but it's getting back to what we uh, talked about earlier, and I think we need to reemphasize it. I think you'll see – if Cole McCoy is healthy, you'll see him before you'll see Dwayne Atkins. <laughs> I am now you are, convinced. You're a dog with a bone on this one. I'm convinced you'll see I, him I am too. By the, way, I, by the way, I, I didn't say this before. I agree with you. I think I think Jay is basically going to tell Dan and Bruce, "Fire me! I'm playing Colt McCoy." And he could say the kid's not ready. He could just say that yep. he's not ready, and he may not be ready. Right, and that may and that's a problem. I think that's I think that's a good possibility. It's just it's disappointing that he's not ready. Um, and at this point, I just don't know how you know for sure he's not ready. Okay, if he truly can't call the plays in the huddle correctly, that's a concern. But you know what you do? You simplify it. Or you may, you have somebody else call the play in the huddle. You know, whatever the issues are, you can overcome it with coaching to get this guy in the field to see what you got. I think you can. By the way, opposing quarterbacks before that interception, that terrible interception by Trubisky, um, Opposing quarterbacks up until that moment were 10 for 10 in the red zone against the Redskins. <laughs> I mean, there was just so much about that game that was, and again, I crushed the defense first two weeks, justifiably so. This was not a defensive loss per se <laughs> last night. This was a five turnover, Case Keenum giving the, them the ball, them scoring on defense off a of pick six. That's the reason more than any, any other reason they lost last night. Yes, it is. But they still let Mitch Trubisky uh, complete 20 out of 23 passes in the first half. I know. I know he did. Okay. And by the way, some of those throws weren't even good throws. But yes, he was no. 20 of 23 in the first half and finished 25 of 31. In part, you know, they just didn't, the, the, the Bears didn't have the ball in the second half. You know, the Redskins dominated time of possession. There was a seven minute difference in the first half, Bears to Redskins. And then in the second half, there was about, I think, a five minute difference, something like that, Redskins to, uh, to, to Bears um, in terms of time of possession because the Redskins had those long, long drives. Um, well, you know, I don't think anything's going to happen this week. I don't think that Haskins is going to start. Jay Gruden basically answered that question after the game. Um, he still is optimistic about Keenum and the young players and their newness to the offense and them figuring it out. I think, Tommy, also part of that is that these first three games they played – two good defensive teams, and then last night an elite defensive team, and they're not going to play that on Sunday. I think he wants to see Keenum and McLaurin and 
you know, Quinn and what he has offensively against a team that does not have a good defense. I think he wants to see the result of that. I think he thinks he's going into the Meadowlands and hanging 35 on the Giants. That may be. And that's not an unreasonable uh, position to have. I mean, this is so, so, such a difficult game to read because, A, all NFC East games are unpredictable, except, well, at least they should be uh, traditionally. Um, you know, the Giants don't have Saquon Barkley now either uh, in, in that game. Right. So you got to think that, that Daniel Jones will be a little more limited offensively. But, but th- th- this, this team this year, it just seems to find ways to lose. They, they, they seem, I mean, that, 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 the self-destruction factor doesn't, I mean, it's as bad as it's ever been on the field. I mean, like, I, did you, I, uh, I, I guess I should have seen it coming. I, 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 you know, basically since they were playing the Bears and Kaleem Mack, but I didn't see that kind of meltdown from Case Keenum coming. I didn't see that. I mean, no. it's not like the, the Cowboys or the Eagles. Yeah, they're, they're good defensively or, too, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I. I mean, look. I. I was here yesterday. I said, you know, it, if it, if it goes 31-10, there, there's going to be, you know, all hell's going to break loose. But I predicted a close game. I thought they would lose, but I thought they would lose a close game. I am glad it went over the total last night because the whole world was on the under last night, Aaron. That was the only thing I ended up playing. I did not play the Redskins um, plus the points. Um, real quick word about uh, Stamps.com um, because the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast actually uses Stamps.com. Nobody's got time to go to the post office. You're busy. Who's got time for all that traffic, parking, lugging all your mail and packages? It tends to be a real hassle. That's why you need Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts you can't even get at the post office. It brings all of the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out product, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Now here is the savings opportunity. First of all, with Stamps.com, you get 5 cents off every first class stamp. But you also get 40% off priority mail. This is one of the reasons the time and money savings that 700,000 small businesses are using stamps.com. Now, right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and use my promo code KevinDC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. That's stamps.com, Kevin. DC. Did you see the London Fletcher thing from last night? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First of all, I, I you know, I mean, I wrote a column about this uh for Monday's paper that this is really the beginning of the celebration of the Dan Snyder failure era with these two guys going in. <laughs> I mean, he, Sean T- Sean Taylor went in obviously, but that was a unique situation. Right. But these are the first two guys to go in. Uh, besides Sean Taylor, solely London Fletcher on Dan and Chris Snyder's, yeah. and Chris Samuels, Dan Snyder's watch, and there'll be more. And uh, up to this point, 
there had only been seven players who had not uh, who had been uh, entered into the uh, Ring of Fame who had not at least had even played in an NFL title game in that. So we're entering that era again. These two guys are both deserving. I'm not saying they're not deserving. But, I mean, the Redskins are being booed as they're coming off the field at halftime. You know, fans are already <laughs> starting to leave. Yeah. And, and now they're going to – and then the Bears fans are going to be there for London Fletcher and Chris Samuels. I thought that was embarrassing enough. And then there was – the the uh, scoreboard snafu. Yeah, let me let me tell people that didn't uh, hear about this or read about this. So London Fletcher's you know ceremony at halftime being inducted into the Ring of Fame. They've got a big you know on their big scoreboard. They've got big picture of London Fletcher, and it says you know London. And I'll get to the 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 misspell here in a moment. Redskins linebacker 2007 to 2013. They spelled his name incorrectly. They spelled it London. F-L-E-C-T-H-E-R, London Flechter, or Flechter. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I know there are people out there that are just going to say, oh, you're going to really get upset about a misspelling. You know what, at this point, I'm not really getting upset about anything anymore with this organization. But if you don't understand that on a night when this dude who is deemed to be super important historically to the organization and he's going in in this halftime ceremony into the ring of fame, if you don't think things like this are reflective of just sloppiness, of unprofessionalism, of, you know, missing the little things, you know, missing the detail, not being sticklers for detail and what that means to the big picture stuff. Well, you probably haven't worked in a company or worked with other people. This is this is a, a, a small mistake as a standalone. But in the bigger picture, to me, it's just reflective of who this organization is. You know, they're just incompetent at almost every level. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, if you're London Fletcher and you're out on the field and you look up and you say, oh, my God, they spelled my name wrong. How much care went into this halftime ceremony if they couldn't get the spelling of my name right? Oh, by the way, Khalil Mack is sacking and pressuring Case Keenum once again with Vernon Davis blocking him. How about that little detail that you might want to take yeah. care of before the game starts? It's, it's, you know, it's embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. And you're right. It speaks to the bigger picture about how this, this organization operates uh, and, uh, look, to be honest with you, uh, that, that's a got to go situation. What is the guy who made that mistake has to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, gotta it's, go. it, it's, it's, it's incompetent. Because it's if, you don't, if you don't want it to happen again, right. You got to get rid of that guy. You know, you got to go. Look, we all, we, we've all, and most of you listening have worked with people before and, Whoever made that mistake, if they're not held accountable somehow for it, then it's going to continue to happen again. This is why I always get upset with you know this organization being the organization where players just run their mouths constantly, and they're constantly telling you how great they're going to be, over-promising, under-delivering. Well, that's allowed to continue because there's no culture, there's no accountability, there's no punishment. Um, there's no consequence for any of this. Look, this probably was a very honest mistake. But it speaks to an organization that puts somebody into that position that probably shouldn't have been. It's 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 amateur. It's 
It's incompetent. It's negligent. It's just unfitting for this particular player, who, by the way, I'm not a massive fan of London Fletcher's career here. It was good. He was a good player. Last couple of years weren't very good. I actually think it's somewhat of a debate. Jim Lachey should be in there before he is. Don Warren well, should be in there before he yeah. is. All right, yeah. these, There are players that I would want in the ring of fame before London Fletcher. Um, but yeah. my God, I mean, you know, it's just an embarrassing thing. And of course, you know, uh, they, they lost their longtime stellar public relations guy, uh, Tony Wiley, uh, last week. He's going to the Special <laughs> Olympics. And I'm sure somebody will blame it on the fact that he wasn't here, except that there were plenty of instances where you had these situations before. I mean, Doug Williams' name was misspelled in some, you know, a presentation or something a few years back. Somebody pointed out to me um, this morning on Twitter. But it's it's just reflective of a sloppy not paying attention to detail business. And that's why they fail as much as they do, because they don't pay attention to the little things, and therefore the big things, you know, are are, uh, typically, you know, when you don't pay attention to the little things, you don't even have a shot at the big things ultimately. But whatever. Um, Let the dead spins of the world, you know, have at it. I I don't really care. I I mean, that much anymore. I just thought it was hysterical to see it because it's sad, but it's also simultaneously pretty funny. Um, what else did I have? Wait, I don't know. I just want to remind people that you could read my column in the Washington Times. <laughs> yes. You go to the WashingtonTimes.com and click on sports, and uh, you can hear me on 167 The Fan. I'll be on uh, Wednesday afternoon with Chad Dukes from 4 to 6 and Saturday mornings from 9 to 12 with, with Nick Ashew as well. Uh, great lessons, um, for sure. Um, oh, here's what I wanted to mention to you. You know, the land, Landon Collins, big games coming up. I mean, these are the games that he points to, Hey, we're oh, three, yeah. but Hey, I can't, we're Oh, and three. We got waxed in the first three, but we, we're going to get those damn giants and I'm going to beat up Gettleman on the field before yeah, the game. I know. And I la- know. last night, Collins, when he got juked by Cohen and then got the penalty for roughing Cohen, I mean, come on. Landon, I mean, $84 million. First of all, make the tackle on the open field. That's what an $84 million safety is supposed to do. And then if you do get beat, let's not add to the misery by picking the dude up and, and doing you know a wrestling move on him to, to add another 15 to the play. Just stupid, undisciplined football. But hell, I can't wait to watch him pregame on the field with Gettleman down there to see how that all works out. He better have a great game Sunday. He better have a great yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, he better. Um, he better. Okay, what else? I got some That's things it, I'll Paul. do. I got some things I can do here to just finish up the show, but um, I'm done with you, I think, if you're done with me. I'm done with you. All right, see ya. All right. All right, Tom, everybody, back on Thursday uh, with me. A couple of other things real quickly. First of all, that safety, uh, that, that supposed safety that a lot of you thought was a safety early in the game, it was not a safety. The progress was stopped at, at, at the one-yard line. That's a good call. That's the way it should be called. Um, also, um, Jeremy Sprinkle needs to catch the ball because the first pick six by HaHa Clinton Dix came after the play where they had Sprinkle wide open and Keenan made a really good throw and he didn't catch it. And if he catches it, they're in rhythm, they're at midfield. Maybe the next throw is a pick six. More likely than not, though, the next play isn't a pick six. Uh, Sprinkle uh, hurt him last night uh, in that game. Um, 
didn't mention Dustin Hopkins, who missed a field goal. And that, that, that's that been an issue, you know, at times with Hopkins. I think Hopkins is a good kicker. I think they think he's a great kicker. Do you know they have not brought in competition for Dustin Hopkins at any point during the last two training camps, maybe the last three. Um, and he's missed some big kicks over the years, missed some very big kicks. He's probably the difference in 2016 from playoffs and no playoffs. You know, the kick that he missed in London, the kicks that he missed in Dallas and Detroit, um, and or Dallas anyway, right? Am I thinking about that game right? In Detroit also, the the uh, the game where, um, where uh, uh, was it P. Ryan? Somebody fumbled multiple times in that game. Uh, it may have been Fat Rob uh, in that game. Um, but anyway, uh, so there, there, there was all of that. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing that's not Redskins game related because I saw this late yesterday afternoon. And we had talked about on the show yesterday the Bill Belichick-Dana Jacobson showdown on CBS on Sunday before um, before the game where she asked him about Antonio Brown and uh, he said, we're going to talk, you know, we're getting ready for the Jets, the typical um, uh, Belichick answer. And she moved on um, and he sat there with a death stare trying to, he was obviously very upset that the question was asked. And a lot of people, including me, had a problem with that. And a lot of people, you know, reached out to Dana to say that was inappropriate. That was over the top. His reaction. This was her reaction on Twitter yesterday. She tweeted out the following um, in response to all the people that thought that that Belichick had crossed the line uh, with her. She wrote, I did my job yesterday. Coach did his end of story. You know what I didn't like? Rambling through the start of my Thai Law interview. Wish I could do that over. She obviously had another interview during the show with Thai Law that she didn't think she did a good job with. Then she wrote, social media and sports radio can continue the discussion. I'm going to go get ready for my wedding on Saturday. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you handle a situation like that. That is classy, that's professional, that is no woe is me in the answer. Um, When I read that yesterday, it made the rounds. I mean, it got retweeted a bunch of times. There were like 10,000 plus likes on this tweet from Dana Jacobson. But that was really well done by her. She's getting all of this feedback all day long about how over the top, inappropriate Belichick's stare down was. And she didn't wallow in it. She didn't woe is me it. She didn't attack him for it. Good job from Dana Jacobson and good luck uh, with your wedding on Saturday. I liked that tweet. Um, to me, that's, that's, that's the perfect response. That is an awesome response. And she did her job asking the question that was totally justifiable in the moment and the the stare down by Belichick towards her really said much more about him than it did about her. Anyway, wanted to mention that. So the thing that we're not going to get to today that I'm going to save for tomorrow is the coaching blunders. Um, we're off of a game last night, so I got a bunch of them. And I want to follow up on some of the Harbaugh conversation from yesterday and his reaction yesterday and his press conference about the two-point stuff that they went for. Um, we'll start to do that, uh, or we'll do that um, tomorrow, uh, and uh, rather than doing it today. All right. Uh, anyway, that's it. I don't think we have anything else. Is there any news? 
Aaron out there since we've been doing this? No, no news, especially not about firings or anything like that. Yeah, that's like what that. I'm talking about. I'm wondering if there's going to be any news today. I don't think there's going to be any news today. I'd be surprised if there's news today. There, there was. I did see something that Bruce and Dan were basically sitting together at FedEx Field till about 2.30 in the morning, um, which I, isn't unusual for that long after a post game. but for Monday Night Football, I assume they'd normally be out a little I, earlier. I did hear it was a pretty late night at FedEx Field last night. Um, they've had a couple of those over the last few years. All right, uh, thanks to Tommy. Thanks to Aaron. Um, thanks to all of you for listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please review us and rate us. really helps us. Also, subscribe. That's good for us as well. Tell people about thekevinsheehanshow.com. If they don't know how to do a podcast on their phone and they just want to go to a website, it's available there as well. Have a great rest of the day, and we will be back tomorrow.